Hello, this is episode 350 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha Riley. So this episode is going to be on what I call white whinge. It's one of those ones that ironically I've wanted to record for quite some time, but I've been sort of mediating what I want to say. It's been really interesting at the moment. There's been a bit of a break in the podcast, and that's partly because I'm being a bit maxed out. But also, I spend an extraordinary amount of my time at the moment listening to other people and just saying a few very well-chosen words. And for a number of reasons, there's not really anybody in my world just at the moment, just at this particular kind of moment in time that I'm having a real conversation with. So I'm kind of surprised my voice still works at this stage. It's, it's just one of those times where it doesn't feel like the right time to talk about a lot of things. I don't really offer people opinions on their lives, which is kind of ironic in in the fact that I work with so many people and listen to so much of their lives. But I I don't offer a judgment on it. I've been thinking a lot about like this. I think it's a lot to do with my personality as well. Like I really noticed that we that we really navigate almost over race and in a way that it takes people quite a while to understand their point of view and what we're talking about, like that we're criticizing the system, we're not criticizing them. So as I mean, like it's very difficult for us to have a real conversation. And I've, I've just finished reading a book that I'll probably talk about on my Patreons. I, I want to record a video for my Patreons, and I haven't spoken to them either. And um, I've just finished a book called Still Life. And, and in many ways, like, it's unusual for me to say a book by a white writer. is It's just a masterpiece. And it's had a big impact on me, which I'm going to talk about over there. And I've had a lot of people, like, who've been very keen for me to go back and meet people in person and to see them face to face. I find it's kind of ironic because meeting people on an individual basis online is, you know, especially when they can forget that other people are in the room, is actually the purest form of themselves. And there's very little interference or distraction or you've forgotten about everybody else's opinions on what you think you should be doing or who you think you should be. And so it's an incredibly constructive way to work with people, I find. And I know there's benefits to being out in the real world, but it's quite messy and quite gritty, and all these other things start to to flood in. And in a way, like, there's so much more to manage. And I've been sort of traipsing the city looking for, for venues to meet people. And one of the reasons that I'm stuck is that I won't meet anyone in the National Gallery anymore. We've got two more years of this rubbish to go. Um, the National Gallery, despite being a, a state body and a, you know, a state facility, and one of the things that, that's really extraordinary about culture in Ireland is that it's, it's freely accessible to everybody, which is huge. And I, I'm sure I've, I've talked about this before in a podcast. The National Gallery gave a contract to a company that, that's not even an Irish company, and they took the, the contract, the catering contract, away from an Irish company and gave it to an American corporation that run a number of the direct provision facilities in Ireland. As a result, I won't spend a bean in it. And a number of artists have taken their work out 
The staff were very upset at the time about what happened. And everyone was silenced. And this is a great example of, of white whinge, actually, because I, I was sort of doing some research again during the week. I was kind of like, you know, hoping that, that this had been resolved and that maybe the contract had been given to somebody else and the space had been sorted out. Sorry, my voice after meeting so many people and being out in germs is not as strong as it should be. But, like, the space has been very dirty as well. And, you know, there's, there's, there's been a whole host of things wrong with it. Like, the toilets have been mank. You know, so there's a lot of criteria that I think about when I go to meet when I go to meet somebody and I pick a space to meet them. This hasn't been resolved. It's a three-year contract, so we've got two more years of this rubbish to navigate. It's so difficult to explain what white wings is. But, like, I know it. Like, it, it, it sets my teeth on edge. And if it sets my teeth on edge, I can't imagine how it feels for people who are not white, of any, any race, okay? I, I don't know how you can listen to it, but the, 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 one of the articles I read on, on the National Gallery from, like, the directorship of the National Gallery, when this all filled up, was that basically, you know, this took up too much time and too much of their resources, and too much pressure fell on a small number of people's shoulders, and could everyone just shut up and go away and stop giving them work to do? And sure, when, you know, the, the war started in the Ukraine, that shut everybody up anyway and gave them a new context. Our management of the war in the Ukraine and Ireland has shown the absolute fundamentals of, of racism in this setup. Because the white people from the Ukraine have got to come into this country. They're not in holding pens. They have numbers PPS numbers so that they can work, so that they can start their lives, so that they have access to studies and schools and social welfare payments and all of the government payments that would assist them in, in taking a home together and starting their lives. Whereas by comparison with the direct provision people who are coming from, say, the war in Syria, they get put into a holding pen and they don't have a PPS number and they can't start their lives. And they're given this sort of pocket money situation and they're put into living situations where they couldn't possibly start to live their lives. And they don't have access to any of the means to reinvent themselves in, in the country and to contribute, which they want to. And so like, Listening to that article is like such, <laughs> such an extraordinary example of white winch. That state body at that moment in time could have made a stance. And rather than it being about them, which is what I always hear when I listen to a white winch conversation, it's always about the person who's speaking. It's always about the inconvenience to them. It's always about their suffering. It's always about what they think they're trying to heal or they're trying to undo. The conversation entirely revolves around them. And, you know, in that moment, they could have stood up, especially when the Ukraine war unfolded and said, this is really wrong. But instead of that, they bullied all of their staff into silence. And they whinged about what an inconvenience the entire debate was for them. So we go two more years before I go back to the National Gallery and hopefully they give the contract to somebody else. Well, I guess this extraordinary misunderstanding as well, going back to the start of this conversation, like we have this view of empathy and sensitivity that involves, you know, us, us speaking about ourselves and relating it to other people. True empathy 
spends an awful lot of time being quiet. It spends a lot more time listening than it ever spends speaking. And you might speak in a way to to point out your faults with the system, your pain with the system, and why it doesn't work for anybody, and why it's fundamentally wrong in a way to sort of to, to, to reach people that you might feel like you're literally sort of banging your head off the wall with. But it doesn't come become about you. It becomes about the system. And there's, um, I'm going to share it on my Instagram because it's the easiest way for me to do it. Because of Martin Luther King Day um, at the start of this week, it's hard to think that that was only the start of this week. It seems like an extraordinarily long week. There was, there's an extraordinary amount of footage. And something new comes out every year, which I really love. And there's this, this great interview that he does with a white person basically sort of saying, you know, oh, well, like, you know, what's wrong with you? The typical sort of white wing zone of, like, what's wrong with you? Everyone else could come to America and make it. Like, why can't you? They, 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 you know, that, that isn't how the question is put, but that's the undertone of the question. And he has a fantastic answer to it. And so I'm going to share a link. And I'm not going to paraphrase it. I'd just like you to go and watch it and listen to his words. But there's this, there's this extraordinary energy and defiance and presence and hope. And so it's unusual. That's why, this is why it's unusual for me to think that, a, that a, a piece of writing by a white writer is a masterpiece because I often associate so many qualities with black writers that I think are masterpieces. And it is so much around this, this energy and that's what the what the white wing suffering misses as well. Like, and it, it's 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 so difficult for me to quantify that and explain it to you. But it's this sense of, oh, we're all supposed to be suffering. We're all supposed to embody that, and and crawl around and feel sorry for ourselves. And that doesn't take away from the fact that is in that interview he articulates so well the just the, the grand unfairness and the injustice of it and the basically can you just shut up and stop whinging but i i, I talk a lot about this in my writing i've recorded podcasts about this like i really struggle to dance and a number of years ago i went and i, I did dance classes and i actually really loved it because i picked to learn how to dance lindy hop and if you really want to know what I mean by embodying all of the qualities that Dr. Martin Luther King has in that video, I suggest you go and do a Lindy Hop class. Because it is this extraordinary vibe and passion and happiness. And that music was created during one of the worst times in American history. There is so much oppression. There is so much unhappiness. There is so much genuine suffering and in that music and in that dance it embodies what I'm talking about and that is the part that when 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 this white whinge begins that you can't even come close to and you I just want to sit there and scream shut up and then and that is our version of empathy we we think to to be whinging our way through is us being empathic and meeting people. And it's not at all. 
I have no idea if this has made any sense because normally we get to, to talk things out and move my way through things. And But at the moment, so much is in my head and so much is not being spoken by me because I don't want to tell people to shut up. 